Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So today's message, if you notice on your bulletin as well as on the, on the page here, it has an interesting topic. It's slow it down, slow it down. I think the last time I actually heard somebody say that, it was a police officer, but uh, that's, that's, another, that's another story. It's another story. Um, if, if, if you've been with us, in fact, we have some new people today as well, um, so welcome as well. But we have, over the last four or five weeks, we've been going through the book of James. We try to go through an actual book of the Bible. Um, in succession, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we're getting close to the end of chapter one. In fact, we'll finish chapter one today. It's taken us four or five weeks. And we've gone through a number of interesting topics. And actually, you'll find as we progress that chapter one is kind of an overview of the entire book of James. He kind of gives us a summary of what he wants to say, and then he unpacks it as we as he goes. So you'll see some of these themes as we continue. We started off by James was writing to the scattered church. The scattered church means that this is a church under persecution. Um, after Pentecost, there were 3,000 that were saved on Pentecost, and the church started growing. But within a number of years, the church fell under heavy persecution, not only from the Romans, but also from the Jews themselves. And as a result, most of the uh, Jews, most of the believers had to leave Jerusalem. What left behind was James, who was the leader of the church, as well as some of the apostles. But much of the church was scattered. And they were scattered into pagan lands where they were, there was trials and temptations. And, and we found out that there's a blessing. There's a blessing when you endure temptation. When you're in a situation and you know there's temptation, but you endure it, that there's a blessing with that. So the last few weeks, there's been a lot of wisdom, a lot of how to do church. And James has given us wisdom on that. In fact, he said wisdom itself is something that you can ask for from God. It comes from God, so ask God, and he will, he will give you the, the wisdom to be able to persevere. We found out that God can and he does exalt people. He often will take the humble and raise them up, as well as the rich and bring them down. But in all of this, God is trying to accomplish something in you that's actually for his, for his glory. Uh, this message today is something that I wish I had heard back when I was in my 30s. You'll, as you hear the message, you'll realize yourself that it would have been better to have known this when we were young. This is actually a message about slowing it down. Slowing it down. And you'll see as we read through that this is something that we want our children to understand. We want our grandchildren to understand. Because when we slow it down, we actually have a much more productive life, a much more productive life, a life that that's, gives glory to, to God. And like I said, it's something that we, we, I wish I would have known. You know, quite frankly, us Americans, we're so busy that often we're too busy to focus on the, the mission of God. Uh, we're so busy that we need to make some changes. So let's take a look at what James has to, to say. And we're going to be looking at uh, James uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. James says this, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness 
the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So even though we have a few more verses, I'm going to pause right there because I want to spend some time, the necessary time, to focus on what James is telling us. And what he's telling us is there are certain qualities that God wants in us. These are human qualities, but they produce a supernatural benefit. And they're needed if we're going to be joyful to endure temptation, if, if we're going to have the right perspectives towards God's uh, judgments, and regardless of whether they're rich or we're rich or poor, these are qualities that will help us. And the qualities are simple. They're be swift to hear, be slow to speak, and be slow to wrath. You know, when I was in high school, I was on the debate team. Did you, did you have debate teams when you were in high school? I did that. It was a lot of fun. And, and I liked it because you were with a group of people. Sometimes you'd debate each other in school, but then you'd have meets, and you'd go to one of the local high schools, get on the bus and go. It was kind of fun. And what was interesting was that we'd have a topic. It could be something like communism or something like that, just a topic. And we didn't know whether we were going to be for it or again it, okay? You had to study the pros and the cons of any topic and be prepared because out of a hat you would find out at the last minute whether you were on the opposing side or the, the favorable side. So you had to decide which way you didn't know until the very end. So what would happen is this, is that the debate would start and they would start speaking and all of us that were going to speak next, what were we doing? Well, we weren't listening. We were rehearsing in our mind the things that we were going to say. We had some points we wanted to make, and we were getting through them because we were high school students, and we wanted to make sure that our, our point was made. But see, the thing is, is that that's how we still act, isn't it? Instead of listening to people, we often are rehearsing what we want to say next. We become very self-centered in our approach. Now, our coach would tell us, Guys, gals, you've got to listen to the other team because they're making points and you're going to get points by countering their arguments. You've got to listen to what they say so that you can respond appropriately. It's great advice, wasn't it, for high school students? So we didn't listen to it much and we still don't listen to it today. But this is what James is saying. He's saying you want to be swift to hear, which means you're listening to the other person. You want to be slow to speak and you want to be slow to wrath. James says, wait, wait. Just wait for a moment. People are important. They're saying something, and, and what they're saying is important, and you need, to, you need to listen. You know, it's interesting. When you think about it, Americans by far are a culture or people that are in a hurry. I mean, they really are. It doesn't matter whether you're north or south or east or west. Americans are in a hurry. Now, in some respects, it's been beneficial. Our standard of living is, is high. Our productivity is the envy of the world. Our financial systems dominate the world's economies. However, all of these benefits have come at a very high price because, in fact, we're actually consumed with the things that we do. That's what consumes us. Our lifestyles, we work so hard to achieve, and our nonstop hurried lifestyle is actually hazardous hazardous to our health. You know, just last week as I was driving back um, from, from my, my son's apartment, um, I, was, I was kind of in a hurry and I knew my wife was going to have dinner, but it was going to be a few hours later. I was hungry, so I stopped at a fast food restaurant. I try not to do that too often, but I was hungry. And as I went through, I ordered something and, and the response on the microphone said, uh, those fries are going to take a couple minutes. Is that okay? 
a couple of minutes? I mean, when did we become a microwave culture that we can't wait for just a couple of minutes for our, for our lunch? You know, I've mentioned before that my, my son and my daughter, and our, as a family, we all spend time in Mexico. And they met their, 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 their spouses in Mexico. They went to high school with them. My son actually moved back to Mexico and has spent 14 years there. So in many ways, my son has become more Mexican in his culture in many ways than he is an American. And, and it really came clear when uh, he started working. He came and lived with us for a while down in Boca Raton and he started working at a bank. This is just before they got married. He started working at a bank and he came home after the first day and he said, Dad, you won't believe this. He said, they expect us to have lunch in 20 minutes. 20 minutes, that's uncivilized. How can you possibly have lunch in 20 minutes? Because you see, as a, as a, as a Mexican, a Mexican living in Mexico understands that the midday meal is an important meal. It's when you close your shops. It's when you either take a siesta or you get together with your family and your friends and, and you break bread together. You share a meal, and all of a sudden, the things at work are not as important. You shut off the computers, and you shut off the phones, and you don't answer your phones. And, and instead, you spend time with your family, or you spend time with your friends. If you're at work, you still do the same thing. You spend time with the people that you're with, and you, you listen to them, and you, you enjoy each other's company. You know, after spending some time in Mexico, I, I started to really understand the differences, the stark differences in the cultures. In, in America, we live to work. You know, that's, our, that's what we do. We, we live to work. We enjoy our work. We enjoy what we get to do. Um, our jobs, our careers, our interaction with our coworkers, our suppliers, our, our customers. In Mexico, it's not that way. You could say that they actually work to live. They work in order to have the funds necessary to be able to provide for their family. They work just enough to be able to have the things that they, they truly need to be able to do the things that are really important, which is to spend time with their, with their family. You know, it's, it's actually the same if you travel into Europe or Africa or Asia. Much of the cultures around the world share something in common. They, they share meals together and they enjoy the company that the meals bring. In America, we've become a, a microwave people, right? We want it now, and we want it fast, and we won't even wait two minutes for our french fries if, if necessary. You know, I have to confess that for, for years, I was the leader of the band. I, you could say I was the king of the microwave culture. I, I worked for Ford, and I worked hard. I, I worked way too many hours and spent little time with my, my family. I, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was focusing on my career. I was climbing that ladder of success. And every year we had more and more money so we could get more things and ultimately would distract us from the things that really mattered. Isn't that something? But that's, that's what we did. Uh, for whatever the reason, as a nature, as a nation, as a culture, we've been far too busy. We, we are too quick to live a life that often is not well lived. And what does this do to our bodies, our health, and our families? Well, it comes at a price. James says, he says, uh, don't be too quick to speak, too quick to engage, okay, to have wrath. Don't be too quick to engage. Now, this is a spiritual lesson that James is giving us, but there's, there's a lesson here for our mortal bodies as well. Did you know, for example, that men are more than twice as likely to die of a heart attack than a woman? Twice as likely, more than twice as likely. Um, 
and what's interesting is that the reason is is because they have, they're assertive and they, they push hard and they have these high-stress jobs. And what are we doing? We're teaching our daughters to be just like the men. We're teaching them to be assertive, to be able to, to be aggressive, to be able to, to fill those jobs that typically were occupied only by men, to be just as busy, just as aggressive, just as confident. James says we need to slow it down. We need to slow it down. We need to take the time to become other-centered rather than self-centered. You see, that's what happens when we, when we listen and we actually hear what somebody says. We're taking the center of ourself off of ourself and onto the person that we're, we're listening to. Imagine if we do that, we'll actually be happy. We'll be healthier. We'll actually get to spend time with our family and friends, which is ultimately the desire of that hurried lifestyle anyway. Now, there's another reason that James says to slow it down, because God wants to accomplish something spiritual in your life. That's why he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. God wants to get our attention. God has something to say. But all too often, we spend time on things that are unproductive and actually sinful. Now, James doesn't tap dance around our feelings. He says, he uses direct language to get our attention. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You know, James is referring to all too often the things that are included in our life are those things that, are, that we're too enamored with. We're, we're too involved with the things of the world. We're not living the life that actually abounds in the grace and the mercy and the truth of what God has for us. Rather than hurrying through life, trying to squeeze all of the worldly pleasures and success into a 24-hour day, James says instead we're to receive the implanted word. That's the word of God that saves us both from the world and for eternity. It accomplishes both. James says we do this with meekness. Now, by meekness, he means remain teachable. You see, if you're listening to somebody else and not talking all the time, you actually may learn a thing or two. You remain teachable. That's, that's meekness. And James says, slow it down. Slow it down. Let's go on. Verse 22, James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is, is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. How many of you know that there's a difference between somebody that says something and somebody that does something, right? There's a big difference, and we, and we recognize this all the time. And now it applies to many different situations, from doing chores around the house as a kid uh, to actually being a responsible adult, to being a good husband or a good wife. There's a big difference between what you say you're going to do and what you actually do. Now, in Christian circles, doing the Word of God 
is also, there's another D word that's called a disciple. <laughs> Being a disciple is somebody that does the word of God, not just hears the word of God. Jesus surrounded himself with 12 men, the 12 disciples, and they spent time with him. They listened to him. They, they took the time to listen to, with Jesus, to Jesus. They, they had meals with Jesus. They watched how he did things. And guess what they did? They imitated him. They mimicked him. And that's what a disciple does. We, we mimic the people that we're learning from. Uh, the Apostle Paul says this. Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, he says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. When we imitate the Christian leaders, the Christian pastors, the, the responsible Christian people around us, we're becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. As they imitate Christ, we imitate them. And we become a doer of the word. You know, this is an interesting phrase that James coins in the next verse. It's, in fact, as far as we know, this is the first time anybody said it. It's not an old Greek saying. It didn't come from the Babylonians. James kind of coined the phrase about looking into a mirror and then leaving and forgetting what you actually look like. Isn't that something? You know, it, it reminds me back a, a few years ago uh, when I was first getting into ministry, I was also teaching at Florida Atlantic University. I was teaching uh, business finance. And across from me was a, a nice enough chap. He was, a, he was an economics professor. And, and he was a, he, you could say he was the classical frumpy look, okay, but it was worse than that, okay? It seemed like he had no, he was a, he was a nice enough fellow, he really was, but he had no care in the world at all what, what he looked like. Um, he had, he had, he had came in, he had kind of gray, unkept hair, he had a gray beard, and his hair one day would go to the left, and the next day would go to the north, north, south, east, west. I mean, his hair went all, at least he had hair, but I mean, it went all over the place. And the way he would dress was quite different every day. It was kind of like whatever was on the floor of his closet. I mean, they, they didn't match. It was all kinds of things. And it was just amazing. He reminded me of the man. It's like, do you have a mirror in your house? I mean, do you, do you even look at the mirror? And this is what James is talking about. It's talking about somebody that, that looks what needs to be fixed, but then forgets to fix it. You know, the idea is that we are supposed to live a, a self-examined life. I mean, you're one of the best people to be able to make the corrections in your life that you need to. You don't need your mother anymore to tell you what to wear, right? But it, James isn't talking about what you wear. He's talking about your character. He's talking about who you are inside. And being a doer of the word means that you're, you're actually making the corrections in your life. You're doing the things in your life that are necessary in order to be a true disciple of God. Disciples of God, disciples of Christ, should examine ourselves and make the necessary correction. Now, I want to move on and make sure I spend sufficient time on this, on this last section, this closing two verses um, of the scripture of chapter 1. James says, If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, and his, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows. And I want to spend some time talking about visiting widows and orphans in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted. James is telling us that religion, true religion, should motivate us to do those things that God wants us to, to do. This goes all the way back to verse 19 where he says, be swift to hear, be slow to speak, and slow to wrath. This is the same theme. In order to, if you do that, you'll be able to do the things that God wants you to do. Now, I've I found often that what gets me into trouble is what I say. 
It, it really is. Now, more, more than even what I do, it's what I say. I've been blessed or cursed, you could say, with what people think is a quick wit. I, I'm really good at the snappy comeback. You know, there's some people wish they said, oh, I wish I would have said that. No, don't. Because I'm the kind of person that knows how to have those snappy, sarcastic comebacks when somebody says something. And I think I'm being funny. I think I'm being clever, but the people I often say it to don't think that's clever or funny at all. It's, it's really quite rude. It's really quite sarcastic. You know, James is serious here. He's not just talking about a casual remark that we can often be excused for. He's saying that the proof of our walk with God is easily made evident by the very things that we, we say. You know, it's, it's the way you live. It's the way you treat others. Uh, recently in Washington, some of the newscasts, uh, there's been some of our elected officials as well as some of our government officials, and they're two different, um, that think the microphone is off and it's actually on. Have you caught this? And they've said things, very disparaging remarks, very rude things, crude things, about the person that they've been talking to. And you, know, you can see that they're completely self-centered. They're not listening at all to the other person. They have no respect for the other person by the things that they end up saying. And this is what James is saying. He's saying, be swift to hear. Be, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. James finishes the first chapter with these words. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted. Now, by saying that, what he's actually saying is that there's a lot of people out there that think they're religion, they're religious, but actually they're living spoiled, spotted, and defiled lives. So he's saying that there's people out there that think that they're doing the right types of things, but they're, they're really not. You know, Jesus often rebuked the Pharisees, didn't he? The Sadducees, the temple priests, he even had the parable of the Good Samaritan where he includes a couple of those fellows in there, right? And he, he remarks that they don't really care. That's why he brings a Good Samaritan in. Jesus in Matthew 23 said, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And James is picking up this same theme. He's saying these, are, these Pharisees and these scribes are supposed to be religious. They think they're religious, but they're actually full of dead man's bones. And here James reveals something that's obviously very near and dear to the heart of God, and that's widows and orphans. You know, I love it that he didn't say, be sure to give to the widows and orphans fund. Right? I mean, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I love churches that have ministries and ways to be able to provide funds to people that don't because we can't go everywhere. And it's nice that churches have ministries to do that. But that's what James is saying. He was saying, go and, and visit with them. You know, that's why I'm such a, a fan of, of short-term missions. Some of you have been on a short-term mission trip, either to, I've been to Ecuador and Peru, Latin America, Haiti, different places. You can even go to places like Appalachia. You can, don't even have to go that far and go on a mission trip. And when you do that, it's like going to the widows and orphans. You get up close and personal. You see what they're like, how they're living, the conditions that they're in, and you can see what gives them joy and what their true needs are because you're spending time with them. You're not just sending money on ahead, that's fine, but you're actually up close and person. You're a doer of the word. You're not just a, a hearer of the word. James' final words are to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now, by saying that, let's go on. 
by calling, by, by going, be, by being unspotted from the world doesn't mean that you're a monk or you're a hermit. You're going up on a mountain someplace and you're separating yourself from the world. That's not what it means at all. We don't retreat to some Christian hermitage. No, James is telling us to engage. But as we engage, we need to find the way to control our tongue. We need to control our temper. We need to be able to control our lifestyle so that we're other-centered rather than self-centered in what we do. We need to listen, just like my high school debate coach said, we need to listen to what other people are saying. And he's saying that our actions are more important, actually, than our words. And finally, James says he mentions wrath. And for the most part, we should let God take care of the wrath. We don't need to be actively involved in that. Just bless him, go on, and let, let God take care of what he needs to take care of. In closing, I thought I'd, I'd share with you a poem. It's kind of interesting how I came across it. I was trying to, as I was putting the sermon together, the message today, I was, I was thinking of some of these words that James said, and I was just on the internet and just kind of Googling some of the words, and up came a poem. I wasn't even looking for a poem, but up came a poem. It, it's from a woman named Gertrude Jeffries, and she, as far as I know, she doesn't have any books that have been published. Um, but she's been included in some internet places, and she writes Christian poems. And I thought I'd close with this. I thought you'd, you'd like it. The poem is called, Let God Use You. And again, it's by Gertrude Jeffries. It says, her color is different. Her ways strange to you. You do not include her in things that you do. But did you ever think that she's feeling alone? Would love tea and cookies and visit your home? She may not be your friend, but how are friends made? By taking the first step and not being afraid. And may take her a while to warm up to you. She may have good reason for being aloof. It could be she's struggling with things that corrode. But just let God use you to lighten the load. Be God's hand and reach out. Be God's face and smile. You may make a good friend in a little while. And she may just see God in things that you do. And finally reach out and accept him too. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. I just love that. So that's a great way to close. We'll just close in prayer. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that James tell us to, to be quick. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.